Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 182 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, we'll be hearing about the Buddy Foundation of Maryland. We are a nonprofit organization here in Baltimore um, who we offer emotional and financial support to dog owners um, who are in need of dogs who are in need of surgical care, um, whose families are, are against the wall and have no resources to pull from to make those, those surgeries and those um, treatments possible. And the foundation is stepping in to help them do that. But before that, we hear about a disease that affects many, many dogs and can get a grip of your dog before you're even aware. I know from experience how horribly arthritis can creep up on your dog and then make life truly miserable for them. So this next interview is very personal for me. Today I'm talking to Hannah Capon. Hi, Hannah. Hey. Hi. And we're going to talk about arthritis. I have to say, we did speak last week. Since we have actually spoken, and this is one of those weird coincidences, Buddy, my, my black Labrador, started limping on Sunday evening. And by mm -hmm. Monday morning was a very unhappy dog. We went to the vets and she said, oh, he's got arthritis in this paw. It's just one of those weird coincidences. So I am very personally interested in this now, even, mm -hmm. even more so, um, though it was fascinating to talk to you last week. Okay, so I spotted you on Facebook where you've got canine arthritis management. So tell me about that. What's that? Okay, so I'm a vet and I've been qualified and working for about 15 years now. My story is that probably about four or five years ago, I started feeling very frustrated about the amount of arthritis cases I was seeing in practice and the constraints that the practice environment imposed on treating these dogs, not only with owner education, owner communication, actually assessing how painful the dogs are, the limitations of the time of the consult to actually get to where the arthritis was. Because you can have arthritis in any joint and mm. they tend to have different prognosis and different treatment options etc so I was frustrated really frustrated and there was one day which I will always remember where I had to put two dogs to sleep mm. in quick succession because they'd gone off their back legs and oh. I'd probably say that that was my light bulb moment where I as a vet was thinking to myself this doesn't happen overnight mm. dogs don't suddenly lose the ability to stand overnight there's very few conditions that can do that and I won't list them but the the concept that a dog in so much discomfort from arthritis chooses not to walk efficiently for months if not years loses the muscle mass in their back legs and they therefore lose the ability to stand. It's quite a horrible concept. Yes, yeah. And I just thought, this isn't acceptable. We don't put people to sleep for arthritis. No, no. And the penny kind of dropped, and I then went on a pursuit of how I, as a vet, could manage these better, and I pursued a Western-based approach of drug combination diagnosis and treatment options, trying to communicate everything to an owner that they could possibly need in 15 minutes. And that's impossible. Yeah. So um, at that same time, I had two other things, well, three other things happen. 
Firstly, I developed a painful condition myself. I got supraspinatus tendinopathy, which is where you have inflammation in your tendon insertion of a, a muscle in your shoulder. And it was agony. And I really felt what soft tissue pain feels like. And I started thinking, I, I can't leave dogs coping with this. Sounds very idealistic, but it's the, the truth. Yeah. The second thing is that... Um, I was being bombarded with referral forms for complementary therapies, be it hydro, acupuncture, physio, whatever it was. Um, and I felt as a vet, I really don't understand these therapies. I don't understand where they fit in with the treatment protocol. Um, how effective are they? Can I rely on the people I send to? So I started delving into that and I personally came across Garland Myotherapy, which has been a massive life changer for me. Um, which is a hands-on technique and I find it very very effective for pain control as well as helping me with diagnosis and then finally um, the sad part to the story is one of the nurses I was working with at this time she had a chronic pain syndrome called dysthesia and she actually chose to take her life because she couldn't cope with it anymore yeah. so it's kind of a bit of a, a, a rose tinty story that they all came together at one point and inspired me to set up canine arthritis management, yeah. which is it's a resource for vets and for clients to go to to start getting reliable advice. And I have great plans to expand it. The website's being launched later this week. It's 100 pages near enough. There's going to be more and more added to both social media and websites. And I'm looking to develop something called the Canine Arthritis Foundation, which will be a way that academics, researchers, people that have a hell of a lot of knowledge can start um, delivering it to public in a very proactive, controlled way. Excellent, excellent. I mean, I have to say, I've been in the dog world for over 10 years and sort of, I, I was aware of arthritis, that it's a condition, you know, and I just sort of thought, oh, it's a condition older dogs can get because my dog is, is 14, but because he still has a mad half hour and he sort of, he can still, you know, do walks. He was still, I've stopped him jumping into the boot of the car and, and mm -hmm. I normally now sort of keep him in, in a footwell strapped in, but in, in the footwell and things like that. So I've made adjustments and in my, to be absolutely honest, in, in my little mind, I've kind of gone, this is just something that will happen because he is older. I didn't think, and I feel pretty bad now, but I didn't think, oh, this might be arthritis. You know, he's happy, his tail's wagging. He wasn't, I, I wasn't picking up on anything that was telling me this is a, an unhappy dog or an in, you know dog in pain. So, I mean, a resource like that would have been so useful to me because had I been made aware of it earlier, you know, other, other things that have been said to me about dogs aging, really, that I've taken on board have been so useful to me. But this has not been pointed out to me in this way till now. It's, it's really bizarre because um, current figures are... Approximately 20% of a vet's footfall is arthritis related. Wow. Um, 80% 80, 80 of dogs over the age of eight are showing clinical signs of arthritis. Yeah. Um, there's 1.2 million dogs in the UK currently suffering different degrees of arthritis. And my, my massive quest now is having set up canine arthritis management, which was initially just a small business for me to do locally and I I wanted to be a practicing vet that could combine different modalities to make proper structured treatment plans for my clients oh. um 
I've done it for three years now and I've started to realize that actually I need to go bigger and I need to go a lot bigger because there's a lots of discrepancies in the management of arthritis. Um, for example, there is a strong belief in vets that owners don't really want to know, they don't really want to accept, they don't really um, understand, they, they're not compliant and they're very hard to motivate to implement change. So that's quite interesting when you then speak to the owners and find that they don't feel that they're given the information and they don't feel that they knew and if only they had known sooner and they're willing to do anything. And that in itself, you think, wow, yeah, yeah. that's got to be dealt with. Yeah. And the public forum is the way to do that. We're very lucky now with social media that hopefully I can get messages and education across quickly and effectively and reliably. Because if I can get the owners going, I believe that my dog has got a problem. I suspect it could be arthritis related because of the age of the dog and the clinical signs that are being shown. I'm going to go to my vet and I'm going to be asking for his assistance rather than what's happening at the moment where vets are noticing in someone's dog that's come in for an ear infection or for a lump or for a skin um, you know, infection. Mm-hmm that their dog's walked in badly, there's postural change, there's behavioural change, this is looking like an arthritic dog. Oh dear, they don't want to hear this conversation. They think that we're just trying to find something wrong with their dog to suck them in and drag the money out of them. It's really hard being a vet and Mm. tackling these topics in a 10 to 15 minute consult when the owner's not prepped. How great would it be if the owner goes in and says, I believe I've got a problem. I would like your help. Wow. Yes. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, wonderful. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, you know, raise awareness of it. And then if, if there's more, sort of, if the vets are sort of seeing owners come in who are being proactive and who are open to making changes and, and making that clear to the vet, great. That would be fantastic. Yeah. That mm. seems to be a good way in. Before we go any further, what is arthritis? Okay, so arthritis, you're right, it is a condition that affects a huge number of dogs as it affects a huge number of people. Mm. So when you look at it, arthritis means inflammation within the joint. What we're mostly talking about is osteoarthritis, which is a degenerative condition. Um, There are other forms of arthritis, be it septic arthritis, which is infection within the joints, rheumatoid arthritis which is an immune mediated disorder or actually immune mediated arthritis um the one that's most prevalent and is the a big cause of the um, problem we have at the moment is osteoarthritis which is a degenerative condition Mm. it generally has um it comes as they age Normally, there is a a reason that they've developed it. And what we explain is there's genetics and hereditary factors or trauma, previous damage to the joint. So a classic one would be arthritis of the knee is often linked to cruciate ligament issues earlier in life. Mm. Or arthritis in the hips is often linked to hip dysplasia, which is a developmental disease where the ball and socket joint don't quite match. Um, Elbow arthritis is commonly linked to elbow dysplasia, which is a incongruity in the structure of the elbow. So it's not a perfect fit. Mm. So over time, that 
come is expressed in a degenerative way and you end up getting the articular cartilage which lines the bones wears away it degrades and that creates an inflammatory process that affects the whole joint and what we have to remember is the joints actually it's more like an organ it's not just a single substance there's bone there's cartilage there's ligaments there's synovial capsule there's synovial fluid and there's all the muscular that surrounds that joint so arthritis is actually a really complicated disease and it's fascinating but again back to the contradiction it's everybody brushes it aside because it's an inevitable yeah. people almost talk about it in a really boring uninspired way this is an amazingly complicated disease process that goes on for years festering away that means that we've got many opportunities to do something about it if we catch it earlier we can intervene in a different way currently with arthritis in dogs i'm pretty confident to say that it's it's identified very late in the disease it's identified when you've got a lame dog or a dog that doesn't want to move now that is way down the pathway yeah. And that then means that our treatment options rely on pain relief, mostly. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit like um, shutting the door after the horse has bolted. You know, that, that limits our treatment options. Now, hopefully over the next five to ten years, this will change and people will be more able to notice the subtle signs of discomfort and get to their vet earlier and have more treatment options available to them. Something quite interesting is um, arthritis, they're still trying to find biological markers Mm. that they can actually um, detect in, say, blood samples that can show that you are um, in an inflammatory situation within such and such joint and therefore it is likely to turn into an arthritic joint later. Um, These things exist for heart disease, cancer, etc. But we're still looking for these um, indicators in both human and animal medicine. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Because whatever it is, it's always best, I think, to... There's no good to hiding your head in the sand. You've got to face up to it and do what you can about it and give, you, in this case, your dog you know, or yourself, the best chance of living as well as you can with it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And um, what I'm really passionate about is that a lot of these things that we can do are actually at our fingertips and free of charge. So I'm, I've been very fortunate that what I have learnt over the last few years is almost by by accident because when I was working as a vet, trying to incorporate the CAM approach into the consult room was just not possible. I didn't have enough time. Um, the owner wasn't receptive enough because generally owners only take about 20% of what you say in a consult home with them. Mm. Um, communication in that intense way means that a lot of these gems that you give them get get lost yeah. um, so I started doing um, free of charge consults in people's houses mm. so that I could work out what do owners understand what's public perception how are these animals actually behaving in their own environment how do they really express pain when there isn't distraction and adrenaline's running and cortisol's running and so my um, approach to learning more meant that I started going into people's houses and I feel very strongly that the way that we choose to live nowadays isn't necessarily right for our dogs. So classic thing is the slippery floors. I'm very aware that we're making our dogs walk on substrates that aren't suitable for their condition. 
And um, very quickly, if you've got, say, painful hips, and you have got arthritis hips because you're a Labrador, you were born with sadly ill-fitting hips and over the years they've degraded and you've got really quite potent hip arthritis. Mm. Now over the years you will have used those legs differently and less. You would have thrown your weight forward because you're a quadruped, you can do, you can put your weight more into your front end. So those muscles have become weak and they're they're not as strong and some of them might have even switched off because you're not using them properly anymore. Now, muscles are absolutely integral for joint stability. So if the muscles outside the joint are wasting, then those joints are even more fragile to the knocks and the twists and the slips. So these dogs are then on these floors where their feet are sliding away from them and they've got nothing left to try and keep that joint in the right place to protect it. You'll see these older dogs where their back legs are slipping out. And I'm watching going, oh, my God, this is catastrophic. Mm. We're making that joint so much worse. And we're making all the compensatory areas in that dog's body that have coped. They've just coped. We're now really pushing them over the edge, asking them to do things they just can't tolerate. Mm. So um, I set up canine arthritis management, the social media side, because this is free of charge knowledge. You know, this this isn't stuff that we should be keeping, you know, to make money out of it. This this is common sense. And hopefully the social media approach will disseminate this information for everybody to start being able to implement because it's it's massive. Yes. Implementing yes. lifestyle changes is absolutely imperative for good management of this disease. Yeah. Yeah, I see. That that's it's fascinating and and horrifying for me because we we used to have carpets and we took them up and got rid of them and we've had hard flooring put down exactly what you've said um, because it's so much easier. I mean, with a Labrador, let's stick with the Labrador breed and there's lots of other breeds that you know are affected and. Uh, this is going to be true of other breeds. But when you have a Labrador that sheds so much, and I know Border Collies shed as well, I know you've got a Border Collie, um, yeah. it's so much easier to just sweep up. Than, but so, so what, you know, where's that middle line between making life really hard for ourselves, but making life really hard for our dogs as well? Where do we find the, the middle line there? Oh, like um, I'm walking around my living room now with the most atrocious carpet known to man on the floor <laughs> that I bought off eBay for 50 quid because my dog wasn't coping with the underlying wooden flooring. And to me, it's a carpet. I, so what? I'll throw it away. Yeah, um, yeah. I know 100% that when you implement these changes, you will see dramatic changes in your dog's mobility and comfort levels so I've, I've had clients that I've gone to their houses and I've said look change this this this, and this and I don't see them anymore I don't need to yeah. they've got they've got their handle on the condition um the dog's not going through daily torment and this is something okay we'll, we'll tackle this now people will say to me all the time but he doesn't show that he's in pain and um, he wouldn't do that if it hurt him mm. he wouldn't walk across that floor if it hurt him Yes, they do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If their resource, which might be food, water, the ability to go to the toilet, etc., is across a slippery floor, they will walk across it mm. because they don't know any different. Yeah. What's the this alternative? Is something... Starve. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is something I'm quite passionate about. Is I don't feel that you can really truly judge an animal's pain state 
by looking at them in the park. In the park, they're going to be distracted. There's going to be dogs, balls, all these scents and smells and the serotonin and the dopamines and all these lovely chemicals in their brain are acting on opioid receptors in the brain. So we talk about going to the gym and how great we feel afterwards. That's endorphins. Endorphins work on opioid receptors. They are a pain relieving hormone. And we are judging our dog's pain status when they're on a high. So I feel quite strongly that we should be talking to owners about what their dog's true behavior is in the house. Yeah. yeah. When what are they really showing you? What are they really telling you? Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping we will start working towards. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, everything you're saying is resonating so well with me because, I mean, for example, uh, Monday, I, uh, I've lost track of the days of the week. This, this week has been a bit mad. Monday, um, I took Buddy to the vets. Now, when I went and got his collar and lead, he was lying on his bed. He hadn't got onto the sofa. I brought the collar and lead in and he showed no response at all, which is not him at all. And I said, no. come on, you know, put your collar. He's, he's deaf as well, which doesn't help. But yeah, we sort of, I, we, we use signs with him and we have for years. Um, but got the collar onto him and persuaded him, you know, come out to the car. When we got to the vets, he was walking over to the nurse, walking up to the vet, because his, you know, his thing in life is meeting people. And his tail was wagging and he was meeting people because he was so happy and it was distracting him. And we'd already spoken about distraction at that point. And I was thinking, you're right, because here he does seem happier. He, he, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what he was feeling inside his body, but he he was seemed a much happier dog. There was things going on distracting him. He was um, wagging his tail. He was happy to be meeting people. Whereas at home, he'd been as miserable as I've ever seen him. Yeah. And that's, um, it, it's, an, it's an impossible situation with the current way that owners expect vets to work and vets have to work. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, the invention of the iPhone and the fact that we can video has been a bit of a game changer. But then we do struggle with the time constraints of the consult room. Um, so, yeah, chronic pain is a really developing field in its infancy at the moment um i listen to a lot of work in the chronic pain field in human medicine and again it's a real it's a really interesting field that's that's just developing so for example this is something that i i'm, I'm quite passionate about is that um they found that in human medicine pharmaceutical control of chronic pain is is not very effective it's it's um, not very reliable so one key professor from over I think it's the University of Michigan was saying that um, in his experience and through all of his research the strongest pain control mechanisms are within the human body themselves already so distraction activity and sleep are more potent pain control for these chronic pain syndromes than any drug that you could put in that body now that's fascinating isn't, isn't it? it isn't it yes yeah, and there was a, there was a TV um, program on recently called The Doctor That Doesn't Do Drugs, and it it really did resonate a lot with um, my owners who were like, God, you know, there, there were people that are on countless different medications, and he came in and he just said, No, you're going to stop these medications. We're going to change your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Now, I take a lot from that. You know, yeah, I can help owners understand that changing their lifestyle with their dog is going to be more powerful than that drug that they choose to put it on mm. you know the last thing that we should be doing is giving 
owners pain relieving medications but not getting them to change their lifestyle you know it must be given with a change of lifestyle be it weight control be it changing your exercise plan be it modifying your house be it modifying your behaviors you know ball frying for an arthritic dog no 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 yeah you know, what's that going to do? Massive endorphin release, massive strains, muscle pulls, nightmare. Mm. Um, so one of the first things I say to owners is, you know, you've got to change what floats your boat for you and your dog. Yeah. You can take your ball and you can ask your dog to sit and you can go and hide it. And then you can come back and ask your dog in a controlled fashion to go and find it. And you can still have fun. But lobbing the ball with one of those ball chuckers across yeah. a field, yeah. no. 100% no. Yeah, yeah. But of course, the scenario you've just, you've just described, going and hiding the ball and getting the dog to find it, gets their brain working as well as their body. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's probably a much, much better activity anyway. Yeah. Whatever your dog. I'm aware of the, the time's going and, and this is so fascinating. We could talk about this yeah. all day. Um, and I do want to move on to your plans for the future because you are, you are such an exciting person to talk to. And I think you're one of those people who very occasionally you talk to someone and you, you think, this person's going to make, big changes and it's so exciting when I spoke to you last week honestly I was so excited I was like oh my goodness what a find because I do think in 10 years 20 years time we'll be saying well you know before Hannah Kabob thought all this up and you know made this all obvious we didn't have this and people go no really I'm really lucky I've met some incredible people in in the last few years that have been game changers for me as a vet so as I mentioned before Julia Robertson from Garland Meyer Therapy what a lady she has been working in the chronic pain musculoskeletal field for years and there's Sarah Fisher from Tellington Touch yes what an incredible person you know there are a lot of people that are working in this field and um, they need to be given more of a platform in defense of vets you know I'm a small animal vet and I have been for 15 years and it's a really, really hard job. And I'll just quickly relay something that I feel quite strongly about yeah. is that we have to do CPD. We have to do continual professional development and we're expected to do a certain amount per year. And um, we go on courses and we have magazines and journals and we have online courses. And these are all very expensive to sustain. Um, Each day, I I doubt you find a vet that hasn't opened up a textbook five, ten times during that day, trying to keep current, trying to stay ahead of the game. Our science is changing dramatically and our owner's expectation is changing dramatically. So, for example, it's non-relenting. I go onto Facebook to just chill out with my friends. And I'm bombarded with adverts for CPD I should have done. So I will I will scroll down and what would you do in this case? You know, this this dog's got head trauma. How would you manage this case? You're like, oh, my God, I am I don't know enough. So as a vet, we're being expected to know more in more detail to work to a higher level. So being fair to vets, you know, where do, where do you stop? You know, so the last thing I want to do is at any point point fingers and say that vets aren't working hard enough they're working blinking hard oh yes and really good at what they do this is a different kind of disease process you know chronic pain is very different and I wonder over whether you know for the next few years we'll start to see a change in the way that vets approach it because within the clinic it's very difficult you know you're relying on owner observation and if owners aren't observing yeah 
So hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> over the next few years, we will improve the public understanding of their dog's behaviour, which means that they will go to their vets giving these gems of information for which that vet will then be able to go, oh, I see, you're describing <laughs> chronic pain. Yes. Right, let me yeah. help you. It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, it, it is. It, and, and they, there is a, there is in some areas, some circles, a sort of a distrust of vets. And I, I hate that because to me, I, I would rather go to a vet than to a doctor because they, to me, they, they seem so genuine and to, and to really care. I, you hear vets say, I, you know, I went into, I became a vet because I love animals. I haven't heard that many doctors say, I went into being a doctor because I love people. I know. You do think you'd be on one or two, but not mainly. It's the, I'm going to be cynical here. It's the money. It's the being on the golf course at three o'clock. Doctors, please write in to me, julie at dogcastradio.com. Send your, your complaints about that comment. That's, that's where I, I am. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about your dog. Because I know she's she's got. Oh, she's got I'm things, actually I'm actually stroking her now. So yes. she, I've just diagnosed something called lumbosacral disease in her. She's oh. 14. She's bolly. Yeah. She has had a very very good active life. We um are very sea based. We paddle board together. We're renowned for going up and down the river with her on the board and me paddling my heart out. She's um she's become weaker in her back legs she has lost muscle strength she tires on exercise she hasn't got the buzz that she used to have and um i know being 14 that there's going to be some kind of condition that needs to be looked into so we did x-rays this is something that people really need to understand you can't just assume your dog's got arthritis yeah you know i've had numerous clients who've told me that their dog's got arthritis and when we actually look into it it's not it might be a neurological disease it might be a disc related disease it might be an endocrine disease such as hypothyroidism it might be a heart disease just because your dog's slowing down doesn't instantly mean it's arthritis and that needs to be looked into so with my dog in mind we did x-rays that's what you do you do an orthopedic exam you try and localize joints that are painful areas of the body that are painful and you direct your further investigations into proving if that is the case so um referring back to Stuart Carmichael who is pretty much a god of arthritis in dogs in the vet world he clearly says that you can have arthritis that it's possible that your dog has arthritis because it's the right age category it's had the lifestyle um it's showing the clinical signs then you promote yourself into it's probably got arthritis because of the examination and feeling that joint and feeling it's crunchy and it's it's not got the freedom of movement and it's painful but you can only ever definitively say that a dog has got arthritis when you've done imaging and that's really important to bear this in mind so back to holly we've done x-rays and her knees are okay and her hips are good but she's got a degenerative condition where her spine meets her pelvis called lumbosacral disease and this is really common and it's really really underdiagnosed but basically it means that the 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 spine the spinal nerves are being pinched so it's a very very uncomfortable condition Mm. there's many different degrees of it you can have mild pinching of the nerves on movement um to serious nerve compression that causes them to um, bite their flanks um they 
become incontinent, um, urinary and fecal, they might start to drag their toes, they lose the balance in their back legs. Now, unfortunately, there's not there's not a huge amount you can do. Um, you can go for surgery where they mechanically break down that disease process and that pinching, they remove it surgically. And mm. um, that's quite a big process. And they tend to um, suggest that you do it when you've got severe disease. When is severe? That's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, when isn't it? I actually, I'm going to put my dog through major spinal surgery because I believe the condition is severe mm. because not all surgeries work. Um, you can try medicating with um, a conservative approach, so pain relief, therapeutic exercise, acupuncture, chronic pain meds. Um, so I'm I'm going for it myself. Mm. You know, I am an owner, and it's a hard position to be in yes. trying to make these decisions and trying to read your dog's behaviour. She's laying on the floor at the moment, and where she would have normally laid there with her legs stretched out, She's curved and she's got them slightly tucked under. And that's a, a classic sign is because that position stops the pinching because mm. the spine is mobile. So by orientating herself in that position, there's less pinching of the nerves and that's more comfortable for her. Now, she never used to lay like that. That's a new finding. Mm. And this is what I mean. Owners have got to be more observant and they've got to work with their vets. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I can feel we, I, I'm going to need to talk to you another day because we haven't, you know, there's still um, things we can cover. But you've got something else planned, haven't you, to raise more awareness. Tell me about the, yes. big, yeah, tell me about the big walk. OK, so it's a moment of madness, but <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to pay off. My statements that I really, really hate hearing are always oh, just slowing down mm. or always oh, just getting old. That's not acceptable at all and I feel that people can say oh my dog's getting old when they've had a clinical examination and we are sure that there is not a source of discomfort there mm. so I want to raise awareness that chronic pain does exist in dogs and it can be tackled in a really proactive way with brilliant results so I am going to walk the South Downs way with my dog we are going to have a, a custom-made trolley um, so don't expect her to do the 100 miles. She's going to do what she's capable of. I'm going to use chronic pain indicators to say when she rests and when she walks. But we're not slowing down. Yes. And we are going to walk for eight days unsupported camping. And we will do a massive awareness campaign. And what I'm hoping is that I will get the support from the national media. I want to get in the news. I want to get in the papers. I want to get on social media. I want public to start being aware that there are options yes. available yeah. so yes that's happening in september there's going to be a massive social media drive up until september the 8th um it's an eight-day walk people are welcome to join me i hope to have um the finish point's going to be stamina park in brighton um and i'm hoping that i can recruit all the charities the rescues anybody that loves dogs to be there to celebrate and to raise awareness yeah yeah, fantastic. You see, this this is why you know you call it a moment of madness. I I think it's it's um it's just so much to be admired. You know, you've seen a need, you have answers, and you're trying to give this. You know, it's not, this again. You're not trying to make money out of this. You're trying to give this to people to improve their lives and their dogs' lives. Yeah, and I'm I 
what I'm hoping is that the walk will raise awareness because after it, we're going to do a crowdfunding campaign because I want to set up the foundation. I want people to have a resource that they can go to and be supported because since I've been running CAM, my own little mini business, and I've got to know clients in a way that I would have never have got to know them in the consult room, I realised that this disease isn't only debilitating to the dog, it's debilitating to the owner. And the emotional impact of this slow degradation, because let's face it, even if I had magic wands and I, I could intervene in every case early, that is still a progressive condition and it will still have a sad endpoint. Um, and watching your dog slow down and suffer and feeling that you can't help them is horrendous because I'm going yeah. through it myself. Yes, yeah. And um, I want people to be able to go to a resource that doesn't just give them information, it gives them support. Yes. And I want the resource to have forums so people can share knowledge. You know, um, I'm full of hints and tips about ideas. For example, this is such a good one. I went and saw an owner who has quite a big dog, Bernie's Mountain Dog, mm. and he'd been trying to find a suitable dog bed, an orthopedic dog bed. And we're talking hundreds of pounds. Yes, yes. And he went, oh, no, I just got a kid's cot mattress, an orthopedic kid's cot mattress, <laughs> 52. And I was like, that's genius. It's yes. got a defined edge. So the dog knows where predictably to stand on, not these billowingy, puffy clouds of beds. It's deep enough. It's it's exactly what you want. It's 50 quid. Great. Now, wouldn't it be great for other people to start sharing these tips? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So the, the foundation is really important to me, um, but I know that it's going to cost quite a lot of money. It's not the job for one person we're talking about helpline forum information latest research bringing people together you know dog friendly walks dog friendly b&b's anything to help with people that have got an older dog yeah. so yes yeah i will do it you will i you will mate i can i can tell right now where's the best place for people to find out more online Okay, so at the moment, the Facebook page um, is Canine Arthritis Management. I am so excited because I am praying by the end of the week my website will be up. It's um, caninearthritis.co.uk. Um, as I say, it's a free of charge resource and it should take people from suspicion to endpoint. I'm trying to tackle every area. So every question I've ever been asked in the last... 15 years I've tried to put into this informative website that people can rely on because I think there is a lot of stuff out there that is misleading. Yes. Um, I feel really quite strongly about the way that supplements are sold. I have a number of my owners that have said, well, he's on a supplement, so he's okay. Okay. No, your dog is still in pain. A supplement does not offer, you know, this level of pain relief. Um, I feel quite passionately that these products should be sold with the opportunity of that owner working out whether it's working or not. What's the point in putting a dog on a supplement if you don't know if it's working or not? Mm. There's a lot of products out there that are being sold as, for example, orthopedic dog beds, and they, they offer orthopedic nothing. <laughs> yeah. You sit on them and your bum dies within three minutes. You know? So... Um, Yes, I'm hoping that the website will be a resource that people can go to. I'm hoping it's a way that vets 
with their time constraints, their inability to get information across because of the practice environment, can redirect their client to this website knowing that they can be informed appropriately. So that should be launched soon. Fingers crossed. Brilliant. I I will be on there, Hannah, because, you know, I came home Monday and I'll be honest, I just came in and I just cried. My husband didn't know what had hit him. I just walked in and cried and cried and cried all over him. And and sort of it, it was it was a real bombshell and it's bewildering. And and there is a huge need for that kind of really helpful advice from you and as you say support from from the forum point of view so uh, yeah there is a real real need for that and the best of luck with it well there's a lot of people that have been doing this for years I'm, I'm certainly not a, a a founder of anything I'm just the person that's managing to well hoping to manage to put it in a way that the public can access so there are amazing vets and therapists. There's, you know, in the vet world, John Innes, Duncan LaSalle, Stuart Carmichael. These are vets that are doing amazing work with arthritis. And then you've got all these therapists that, you know, their heart is in their job. But accessing that information yes. is really quite difficult. So to have a point where people can then reliably move on from will be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be brilliant, and I'm sure with Hannah pushing for it, that is what will happen. If your dog is suffering from arthritis, I hope you found that helpful, and if your dog doesn't have arthritis, it's still well worth checking out the Canine Arthritis Management website, because I had no clue Buddy had arthritis until he went lame, and if I'd had more warning, I could have put more things in place to help him much earlier. We have links to the caninearthritis.co.uk website, and to their Facebook and Twitter pages too and the very best of luck to Hannah for the future. You're listening to DogCast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well, check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options, and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters, and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an e-book you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macyschoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. We all know how costly having a dog can be, but never more so than when they need surgery. So where can you turn to for help at that stressful and painful time? Well, in a busy and sometimes harsh-seeming world, such kindness and support does exist. Today I'm talking to Melinda Cianos. Hello, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Good, I'm fine, thank you, fine. I'm really looking forward to hearing a lot about the, the Buddy Foundation of Maryland. So um, so tell me, what is the Buddy Foundation of Maryland? Uh, we are a non-profit organization here in Baltimore um, who we offer emotional and financial support to dog owners um, who are in need of, dogs who are in need of surgical care yeah. Um, whose families are are against the wall and have no resources to pull from to make those those surgeries and those um, treatments possible. 
And the foundation is stepping in to help them do that. Yeah. I mean, that is a time, as you say, where you, where you need, there's a lot going on because at the same time as being faced with, you know, a huge, sometimes a huge financial burden that you hadn't anticipated, there is a very complicated and intense emotional side to that, having been through that a few times. Um, and you, you just, you really go through the ringer at that point and you don't know where you are and what's going on and what decisions the right one to make. It's a horrible time, isn't it? It's, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, I, I work very closely with these families and with the with several area veterinarians. Um, I have really great relationships with with um, well, at least 10 right now that are working really um, hand in hand with us on a lot of things. And, mm. and by that, I mean, they they offer uh, these these veterinarians are kind enough to offer um discounts, rescue discounts that we, the foundation can use sometimes 30% off of, off of a family's bill. Um, and and we, we piece it together, but anyway, um, and I go and I visit these vets occasionally and, uh, check in with them and I've got really great relationships established. Um, I just remember going in about two weeks ago with one of our families and, and one of the techs was standing there and she said, I just want to tell you, um, you know, it was, one, they were working with a Bassett who had to have all of his teeth removed because oh. he had developed a systemic infection and it was moving fast. And mm. this young woman um, brought this this dog in. His name is Blue Cheese. Yeah. And they proceeded to she proceeded to get the diagnosis. And she said and the tech looked at me and said she came out of that room pale as a ghost and crying because oh. she had no no idea how she was going to piece together financially. She didn't yes. know how she would even begin to tackle it. Yeah. Uh, but then in addition to that, she didn't have a whole lot of family in the area. She, she just really didn't even know where to turn to for, for any type of emotional support. Yeah. And the vet, the vet tech was able to give the foundation um, as a connection for her. And, and we kind of held her hand through all of it. It yeah. was, it's, was really kind of an amazing little thing. Yep. Oh. And blue cheese is doing really well now. <laughs> Brilliant. That's excellent. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. it's a wonderful thing that you do. I mean, to make dogs and owners, you know, they get their happy ending and they get, you know, more time together. You know, that's, I mean, so a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Yeah. It's so gratifying. Yes. It is very gratifying. Yeah. 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 And, you know, when you were saying that about sort of if the, if the infections are moving really fast, I guess at times you have to respond, you know, very speedily, don't you? Pretty quickly on most. Well, yeah, I would say that like 80, 80 percent of the um, cases that we work on, the families that we work on uh, or with have situations where they don't move quite that fast. So mm. it's usually um, we have some time to plan surgeries and things like that. Mm. Um, like 20% of them are happening quickly, like that, like that set yeah. of circumstances. Yeah. Um, it's, we're doing everything from orthopedic, helping with orthopedic surgeries to cancer to, um, one of our families right now is from El Salvador. The dog was hit by a car and, uh, he has no use of his back legs. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. um, yeah, that's that's a hard thing to. Yeah. But he's doing really well, and he's yeah. getting hydrotherapy here. Um, yeah, so that it's just a, we're kind of you know we're helping with just about everything. Um, yeah. But as far as you're you know it being quick and fast like that one, um, there's probably probably about twenty percent of them are like mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I know. I know the, the condition, a surgery that you sort of have to assist quite a lot with, is ACL um, repair, um, a cruciate ligament repair. Right. So, and and again, we've been personally affected by that. Our, our star, our Bishon Freeze, had that. And and again, it was such a it, that happened fast. Um, she just suddenly went lame on a walk, and then we were confronted with going to the vet and suddenly being thrown into going from having this this normal happy three year old dog to oh my goodness, there's a big problem that is going to impact right. on the rest right. of her life. So you right. know, you know, tell us about that. You know, the, the kind of dogs that you see with with ACL. They have been as for us so far as. Um, Poundage-wise, as light as uh, 50 pounds and then up to 100. So that's about the size of the weight of the dog that we've yeah. been dealing with with those types of surgeries. Um, and here we've got, you know, I, I'm not a vet, right? So I yeah. have to kind of do a little bit of legwork and research into um, some of these procedures that, that come our way for, for remedies and for cures. And specific, you know, there's a couple of different procedures and surgeries that can be done to repair a joint um so yeah and you need to take all of the the weight of the dog into consideration the um the age of the dog and those kinds of things there's a lot of variables that come into play that i you know i'm I'm having to learn about and trust vet judgment on so that's been really interesting our families kind of learn along with me um, and thankfully we've been able to find uh, surgeries that have been cost effective yeah. and and um, yeah and have gotten great results. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what what type of surgery did did yours have done? Do you what, do you yes, remember what yes. the procedure was? She, yeah. yeah, ours was called TPLO, and it was right t- tibia plateau leveling something. So right, right, but, right. You know the the shin bone exactly. Is, yeah, it, on the top of it is a slope and. Um, and we went through all the options and they said that this worked best for her position. Um, and so they level the top of that shin bone. So the, the thigh bone or the knee joint, whatever, sits on it. Um, okay. And sort of isn't held there by, by the cruciate ligament anymore, but the, the muscles sort of build around it. And um, for her, and that worked really well. She had, but again, even after the surgery, there was the problem of eight weeks of crate rest. So it was right, a very intensive right. nursing, you know, period of time. Right. The recovery, the yeah. recovery can be rather intense. You're yeah. right about that. Mm. Um, that's hard on a lot of families that, that, you know, where there's, um, where they work, where there's yes. only one person, they don't have a whole lot of support. And then I don't know how much did she do any rehab, like any kind of, um, some, a few of our dogs have done some, some rehab work where they go back in for, either aquatic therapy yeah. or, um, to, yeah, did, did she do some no. of that as well? No, we didn't. Uh, luckily, after the, well, after the eight weeks, she still wasn't quite using the leg properly. And so they said, okay, um, we talked about it with the vet again. And with her, we just very gradually upped her exercise amount, the amount okay. of exercise. And it was funny because she wasn't terribly into it. She, she was a kind of dog that would go, you know what? I walked last week. I don't need to go again. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all okay on the walk front. Um, so, but we, you know, we did, we, we gradually increased it and the muscles built up in strength and sort of held it all together. And, and she was okay then. Nice. But I can imagine yeah. that, you know, when sometimes it doesn't, it's, it, you know, it's a long time for the leg to get anywhere near normal again, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, a rather long recovery process, but but thankfully it also seems that 
that all of the dogs that we've helped so far with this particular surgery have done really well. Yeah, brilliant. so it's yeah, that's yeah, great. really well. That's great. So, what what other kind of conditions do you help? Because I know I know sort of that sometimes it's a case of if you weren't there to help, the only alternative would be that the dog would be put down, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. So we we uh, we help a little bit with cancer. That's a tough one yeah. because uh, yeah. And so every situation that comes our way has to be kind of evaluated on a case by case basis. Um, we've done everything from mast cell tumors removed. Yeah. Um, so we are instrumental in getting the tumor removed, and then the prognosis for the two dogs that I'm speaking of were that you know it was it was uh hadn't metastasized in any way and yeah. so the margins were all really good and yeah. tight and, and they could get it out and we didn't need to look at their chemo chemo yes. or radiation yeah. or anything after that yeah. which it gets well taxing all the way around it's taxing one yeah. of the families it's also taxing financially and it's a hard thing attached to attach yourself to um, as a foundation with yeah. um, limited funds. So uh, we, we've been able to get in to uh, evaluate situations with the cancer circumstances we've dealt with so far where we haven't got, had to get into this long radiation therapy yeah. Um, yeah. scenario, which I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to attach ourselves to, but we're, we're trying to help. Yeah. Um, I have one dog right now who's got osteosarcoma, which he's, he's a 150-pound Bull Mastiff. He is, mm. his name is Wade. He's a doll. He's, uh, <laughs> his, his parents are going to ha- go ahead and have his, its front left leg needs to be amputated, which yeah. they're going to do. Mm. And then they need a short, he needs a short round of radiation and then he should be done. And so we're going to help them with that. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's the open-ended treatment yes. plans that look like we just don't know how far we can go on that. So it's hard. It's hard to commit to. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. Be, I was going to say, how, how do you get your funding? We fundraise really hard. Yeah. We just yeah. uh, are running events throughout the year that uh, new and different creative and innovative events that have been lots of fun. And in addition to have helped us raise some substantial funds to help these families. We have a lot of individual donors. We have, you know, m- multiple avenues for, yeah. for bringing in funds that we're, that we're investigating every day, yeah, <laughs> all day. <yes>. I bet, <laughs> thankfully, all day long. <laughs> thankfully, it's, you know, like last, last year was our first, well, we had a really great growth year last year. We, went, we were able to bring in a lot of, a lot of funds, almost $40,000 in uh, funds to help families last year. And and since our founder is so generous and is able to pay our operating expenses, every donated dollar goes toward a dog, which is, which is just phenomenal. Yeah. A lot of our families use those crowdfunding. Yes. All of our families are required to contribute to the surgery. So that puts them in a situation where a lot of them don't have the money set aside in savings or whatever, to, to be able to do that. That's why they're reaching out, mm. but they'll go ahead and do some heavy fundraising on their own and we'll yeah. support them while they, do, when they're doing that with our social media platforms and what have you. Yeah. So it's just worked out. So where they've fundraised on, on their own and we've supported them and they've been able to, to put together some substantial dollars. And then we're, the foundation is contributing and closing the gap yeah. Um, yeah. and getting the dogs into surgery. And that's how it's working. Yeah. 
That's great. I mean, I imagine, because as I say, once you've been through the situation yourself, and funnily enough, my dog, my, my Labrador, had mast cell tumours, and again, I know you're just plunged into this tumult of emotion of, you know, oh my yeah. goodness, is my dog going to die? What's going to be the outcome? What, what are we facing here? You know, right. um, and, and again, luckily, we, we had the, the tumour, the mast cell tumour removed, and they got good margins. So I know exactly what you're talking about, because if you, they can take all the tumour away and get all the cancer away, you don't need to go right. sort of further radiation or chemo or anything. But that's, it's a horrible time. But I imagine once you've, if you've been through that with your dog anyway, you know, you want to help. You, you, can, you understand the, the horrible time it is, so you want to help. But I would guess as well, the families that you've helped through and you've stood by through this, you know, absolute crisis, I guess a lot of them would come back and help you and, and you know, put the word out for you as well. They do. Yeah. They do. They really do. And that part of what we've, we've tried to do as a foundation is, you know, hold their hands from beginning to end. But also, you know, we want the dog parents to emerge from this whole set of circumstances feeling stronger and feeling like the heroes in their families yeah, I, I, yeah. that they were the ones to be able to I mean we're helping but they you know they're they're ultimately the saviors for these little guys and gals and um, they're so appreciative of being able to to be there and do because it's such an incredibly helpless feeling yes when when a family member is suffering mm. and, and you have no resources to help them I mean it's just yeah. it's terrible yes so they they feel so feel so empowered by the whole thing that they're yes. willing to um, not only come back and give volunteered uh, time to us chiming in with their bring, bringing their own donations here and there as they can, but also helping our other families that come in. Kind yeah. of like yeah. uh, I've been there, I've done this with the amputation particularly. That that's a it's a tough thing to go through. Oh, it's yeah. a tough, and I don't yeah. think that what happened with our first family that that had an amputation that actually happened while the dog was in surgery which was hard for everyone because mm -hmm. they went into the surgery thinking they were going to get a repair yeah. and the dog came out of the surgery without the limb oh. um which yeah which was hard but then in addition to that there wasn't a whole lot of support for what would happen after the dog got home yeah. and what the dog would be going through as their bodies adjusting to that missing limb. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that families, that parents need to know about what the dog will go through post-op yeah. so that they can be ready to deal with it the way that they need to deal with it. Um, yeah. And this kind of thing, that kind of feedback is really, our families can, can kind of support each other that way. Yeah. Like we have another amputation coming up you know, I, I will put those families in touch with each other so that they can um, give each other the benefit of what they know about that particular surgery. So yeah. that's interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's priceless. That's brilliant. Because, you know, as you say, talking to someone else who's been through it, and even if it's like, did, did you feel like this? And, and things that you wouldn't normally be able to say to someone, but because you know they've gone through it, you know, did you feel this? Did you know this? And right. practical tips as well. You know, it, it just helps take some of the pain away, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. yeah. And feels, uh, the, the, it's all about support and, yeah. and giving it wherever we can and however we can to make the whole thing easier and to give families, you know, more precious time with their, yeah. with their beloved canines for yeah. as long as they possibly can. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, often when, when I talk to representatives of charities, you know, they're, they're rescuing dogs in the sense of taking them in from a bad situation into a shelter and, you know, hoping them to get them another home. But your work it more involves keeping them in that home, doesn't it? Keeping them yeah. in the home. That's exactly right. Yeah. Keeping them there in the home, home, healthy and happy. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Because the dog becomes so much a part of your family, you're keeping that family intact as well, aren't you? It's not just the, the dog staying in the home. That bond isn't broken. That family is kept together. And that's a huge thing. It's not just the dog. There's a circle around him, isn't there, that you're helping as well? Yeah, and that's, that's exactly the circle that we, that we honor because we all, you know, all of we've got five board members now and um, a new director of development and um, a really nice team of guys and gals who are just, uh, who know exactly what yeah. that circle is all about. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And we, we're working really hard to, to keep it tight and running smooth. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's lovely. It's lovely. So tell me how, because, you know, it's great hearing about what you're doing now, but how did the Buddy Foundation start? What inspired it? The Buddy Foundation has been around since 2011. Jay Dackman is the founder. He and his dog, Buddy, uh, had been together for 12 years. Um, He literally had two friends of his come to him at one point and ask him, for help with pretty extensive surgeries with their own dogs who were suffering. I think at that point it was two hip surgeries that needed to be done. Um, And both of these people were in situations where they just couldn't, they came to him because they were wondering what they could do to help the situation. They didn't have the money Mm. to be able to put into the surgeries and were distraught. And they leaned on, they leaned on Jay as a friend, and and he was able to help them, thankfully. But then when it was all over, he basically you know, said to himself, I, I just really would like to be able to do this for more people. I would just like to be able to give more family and friends and dog-loving families more time with their dogs. He just was com- completely gratified by yeah. um, being able to reach out and, and help that way. Yeah. Uh, and then the foundation was born, and we just um, – we've been – growing it ever since yeah so we help an average of two to three families a month with our with our yeah with surgeries that range from six hundred dollars up to five thousand we're we're really making some some great headway and making some great connections with families and the families we have what's called a buddy system in honor, Buddy is our namesake, and yeah. and uh, yeah. So our, our Buddy system is this hand-holding idea that I've I've been kind of relaying here this afternoon. Is yeah. uh, you know our buddies get in as buddies in need, and they apply, and they hopefully move through to buddies in recovery, and then finally to buddies for life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that buddies for life list is is growing as we speak, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's lovely that you know it's not just you step in and then it's over and you're out on your own. It's sort of you've got a friend there. Yeah, you know, for the rest of yeah. well, not just the dog's life, but you know, for the rest of your life, it's 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 great because that's what we need. We're all in tough times at the moment. The world is a scary place, so we need friends. That's that's absolutely brilliant. Spread them. Yeah. I know, and it's, it feels really great. We did want, there are a couple of organizations that have uh, tried to do this sort of thing, 
they don't seem to have been able to maintain the resources, the funds to be able to continue. So we're kind of, uh, and, and from what I understand, it was uh, situations that organizations were set up in ways that were uh, very, could, could help monetarily to a degree, yeah. but that, that was that was pretty much it. And then that, and then it kind of fizzled from there. Mm. But our, but like you said, and like we've been trying to, to relay that we want it to be an emotional and financial support that, that we can use over and over again and pass on to other people that it'll just kind of grow. And it seems to be organically kind of growing in that way from the inside out. It's very, it's kind of, well, it's very cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, as you were saying, if it, if if it's not just of stepping in and giving people money, it's about it's helping financially, right? But it's empowering them and how can, they can help themselves and how they can contribute. Then, of course, they will want to pass that on. They're left feeling really good. They want to right. share that, don't they? There, you got it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And they do, and they're they're delightful. And I I talk to so many of them a couple of times a week yeah. to find out how the dogs are making out. Or they're always, uh, you know, dropping a, a piece here or there that we could use on a on an event. Or a, they're just they're they're givers, and they are they're they're more than happy to to continue to give back. And and meanwhile, these dogs are happy and healthy, and we get to get these great videos of them running free and having fun in their yards and with their families. It's it's really it's fun. It's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure Jay's dog, Buddy, the, the dog that started it all off, you know, inspired it. He was a basset hound, wasn't he? And I'm sure he would love this memorial to him in a way. You know, it's, it's carrying on that loving nature, isn't it? Yeah, he had quite, like I said, he had quite a personality. <laughs> so, yeah, he, yeah, very vocal. And he would, he just, he would come to events and, and uh, get all called up in all of the hoopla of these yeah. events that we would be a part of and just stand and bellow yeah you could hear him yeah. you could hear him yeah he made, very much made his presence known everybody loved him he was just yeah. a great a great guy yeah. um so you're right he would be super super happy about the work yeah. we're doing in his name oh. i'm sure of it yeah yeah i have a very soft spot for basset hands they're a smashing breed i really like the, the buddy foundation um of maryland sounds you know, a fantastic resource for people who are very much in need. And as you say, not just the financial, for the, the emotional side, which is a huge issue that you're plunged into suddenly. You know, that, that's a big side, the emotional side. And that's marvelous. Right. It sounds great. Is there anything that we haven't covered? Is there anything else that you want to say about the foundation? Only that, you know, we're always looking for donations, obviously. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to, uh, yeah, we've got several dogs right now, families who are, who are um, trying to move towards treatment. And we, we, um, we really do value every dollar that comes our way to make those things happen. So our website has been designed to keep people plugged in, to donors plugged in, and the families that we've helped plugged in so they can see what's going on with other families. It's definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and donations made to the website through the website are all tax deductible, which is really great. And um, yeah. yeah. And I can't reiterate enough that uh, people can feel good about every dime going toward helping a dog. And then the, on the application on the um, donor page, when you go to make a donation, 
um, if you've seen a dog on the page or you have a friend's dog that you want to um, maybe donate in memory of or in honor of, there's the option to do that. So it's got a little bit of a uh, personal yeah. option and flair to it as well if you want to make it that way. Um, we're always open to suggestions as well from We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you'd like to drop us a line about things that you think would be helpful to us doing what we do, we'd love to hear that as well. Great. So, yep, www.tbfmd.org. The, the best of luck. And are you on Twitter and Facebook as well? We are. Twitter, Great. Facebook, Instagram. Yes, indeed, we are. In Right, we will pop links to those on as well. Um, well, it sounds great. You, it sounds like you've come a long way in six years. Um, the best of luck with the next six. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time today as well. And good luck to you and the health of and your family and your dogs Thank going you. forward. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't that sound a wonderful foundation, which must provide such help and comfort to dog owners exactly when they're at an extremely low ebb? It's amazing how one person's vision can grow and become something truly beautiful. We have all the links Melinda mentioned on the Dogcast Radio site, plus photos of some of the dogs they've helped, and one of Buddy who inspired it all. That's all for this time. Next time, we'll be back with essential advice on what to do when an off-leash dog is hurtling towards you and your dog. And we talk to a scientist about the innovative treatment he's developing and offering to dogs, getting remarkable results and giving hope for a happier, healthier life. So, till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. Dot com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Hey, Jenny! I threw a frisbee for Buddy the other day. It went five miles... And he managed to find it and bring it back. Seems a little far-fetched.